And we are back, Running Lifestyle Culture. It's the podcast about running, lifestyle, and the culture. The culture around running and how it can fit into you and what you want to do. And I want to make this podcast, as I've always said, for anyone from the beginner to somebody who is looking to find out all the little bite-sized, interesting facts from elite athletes. So this week I'm really excited. It's the first time Running Lifestyle Culture has done this. We have two guests on the podcast. Um, As we always do, we only introduce first names and we allow the guests to introduce themselves. So we have two guests, as I said before. Uh, We have Danielle and May. I think I'm going to start with May. May, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hi, Manny. I'm very well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Amazing. So, May, what I want you to do on this podcast, we give people the floor to to introduce themselves, give us a bit of background about them, um, and it can be any way you want to introduce yourself. Let, tell us about you. Sure. <clears throat> Sorry. So, um, yeah, as I said, my name is, is May Thompson. Uh, I'm a runner, a sports enthusiast. I love weightlifting, cycling, swimming. Uh, I grew up horse riding as well. Um, my day job uh, right now is I'm a human rights activist. Um, so I grew up running track and field. I run, I ran track and field to quite high level, and then I retired um, probably about a year, a year and a half ago. Uh, so yeah, so now when I say say my day job, it's quite weird for me not to be <laughs> introduce myself just as a as a track athlete. Um, so yeah, it's a, a combination of of a lot of different things, and hopefully we can get into that and unpack that. But yeah, that's me. That's what I love when you actually ask somebody who they are because they can give you an answer which at times is, is probably new to them and um, it's quite nice to hear that. So thanks, May. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, and it, it's so difficult as well like, like to condense it. Like no one really ever asked me. Oh, what's <laughs> like, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice, it's nice. So, and our second guest, Danielle, tell us about you. Hi Manny, thank you so much for having me on. Um, my name is Danielle Alakija. May's given this really lovely, tight, succinct intro, and I'll probably be rabbiting on. Like you're gonna have to mute me. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> no. Um, so I, I much like May. Um, I've 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 been a runner for, for quite some time. I started running. The joke in our household is that I ran before I walked, and I was one of those toddlers that got leashed with those backpacks. <laughs> You would, you would blink and I would just be gone. Amazing. Um, and so, but that carried on all through. So I ran all through school. Yeah. Um, and then at about sort of 13, 14, I started to, to kind of notice that, you know, this was really something that I wanted to do. And I, let me go back a little bit. I grew up in Fiji. So I started trying out for the national team. I started competing at more professional level. Um, I ended up in my first international at World Indoors in Istanbul when I was 15. I was then went on to World Youth Championships in Barcelona, and then I ended up at London 2012 as an Olympian um, at the age of 16 years old. And, you know, I continued running on a mark that I still run, as you know, Um, but I've I've since taken a step back from the professional world of of athletics. Um, I am, I will be, most likely by the time this podcast comes out, I will be a barrister um in in international law but at the moment i'm working as a public policy analyst so i can't i can't quite claim it as of this date but by the time this comes out i'll be a barrister amazing um, 
And yeah, I think that's probably that's that's my attempt at like a re- at a lovely Thai injury like Mason. <laughs> so we're, we're going to stick with that. I'll stop now. Amazing. No, I love it. I love it. I think I'm I'm probably similar to you, Daniel. I just go off on a tangent. Um, I love the way uh, May is succinct, and definitely we need to learn some skills from May. <laughs> um, I love that both of you are, um, you know, people who I I personally feel quite inspired by. I think there's an element of um, getting to know you and that's what this podcast really I want it to be about so um, I'm gonna gonna give this question to, to May because I think she didn't um, maybe give us as much information so I just want to know a bit more in terms of um, when you were running at a high level what was that like tell us a, a bit more about the finer details in in terms of how high you, you ran and what distances and and what got you into it yeah, sure. Um, well, so like <laughs> similar to Danielle, and I, <laughs> I hate for this conversation to be like, oh yeah, me too. Oh, I'm the same because I feel like actually we, we are quite similar. But um, my mom said from a from a really young age she would she would take me and my sister to the park, and she'd be like, oh, do you want to go on the swings? Like, no, we just want to run. We just want to run for as far as we can, <laughs> we can in a straight line. Um, so I've I've always really loved it, um, and that's what got me into it. Really, I think all other sports. When we did them at school, um, I never really stood out. My hand-eye coordination is is awful, but tell me to run down a track and, and I can just about manage to do it. Um, and luckily for me, I, I sort of naturally was okay. I was never like a, one of those super talented um, sort of child athletes. I was just middle of the range. Um, but it got me to a point where I was, you know, running for a club all growing up. But for me, it was more... The social side of things i loved going down to the track and hanging out with my friends and having a, a really good time um i didn't really think about the you know the sport in in all its seriousness um until i i hit sort of my early teenage years i started um sort of competing at national level competitions in a, a few different events i i did cross country um sort of in my earlier earlier years of my career which i always hated <laughs> um it was just a little bit too far a little bit too cold <laughs> um you know it, it wasn't for me um but i i did it anyway um and then on the track was really where i sort of found my my passion for it. i loved sprinting i started off as a sort of short distance sprinter 100 meters 200 meters um but as I sort of progressed I sort of found I couldn't quite keep up with the with the other girls so my coach suggested to me that I sort of pushed to the the 300 meters which you do as a sort of junior junior girls don't quite do the full 400 yeah so I started the 300 and then developed onto the 400 meters and it's sort of just where I naturally fit in um and then one day my coach at the time he was a previous 400 meter hurdler he said hmm why don't we try over some some hurdles as well? And that was my event for you know a good four or five years. I did the four hundred meter hurdles. Um, I won silver um, at the English schools championships. Um, went to sort of British championships, um, England athletics championships Amazing. for a number of years um, over here. And that was all while I was at school. And then I went over and studied for four years in the US. I went on a track scholarship. Um, so ran for a school over there. Which school which did you a, run for? Uh, so I went to Fairleigh Dickinson University, a really small school. Not many people have heard of it, um, but Division One, um, yeah, located in New Jersey, and it was a really great experience. But I think this, the and Danielle, I'm 
correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you went studying in the States as well. I'm not sure if you have experience um, with the US college system, but it's, yeah. Yeah. Virginia, and it's uh, it's very different to the, in fact, it's very different to anywhere else in the world, to be honest. Um, it's its own, I always tell people it's its own professional circuit. Um, and you you can't really compare it to, to any other higher education system of athletics. Yeah, that's really what I found. I think it was really a shock for me, um, the pressure and the intensity of the training and the competition and, and the whole lifestyle that becomes your identity, this, you're this sort of student athlete and your worth is placed on your performance and your results. Um, so that was a, it was a great experience for me. I really enjoyed it. But yeah, as I said, it, you know, it did have some negative aspects to it. Um, and then I came after those four years, I came back to the UK, competed for a year, year and a half, um, and then sort of decided I got to a stage where either I go turn professional and run as my career, or I need to sort of do something else <laughs> to make the money. I think track and field is un unfortunately for us, unlike these other sports like football um, and basketball, unless you're sort of really, really the cream of the crop, you don't really earn enough money to sort of make a living. So I had to decide if I wanted to go all in uh, and see if I could make it in track or sort of have another career. Cause I, I just, I felt like I couldn't do both. I couldn't do full-time yeah. athletics and a full-time job as well. And I just thought I'd got everything out of, of track that I felt like I wanted to, it felt like the right time mm -hmm. for me to walk away. Um, so yeah, that, that's what I did. And then now it's sort of a year, year later, I, I met Manny with the London Selects uh, crew. I'm still running sort of as a, as a recreational runner and, and sort of going on a different path. So yeah. Nice. Nice. And I think, um, so I was speaking to uh, Trevor Painter, who is Keely Hodgkinson's coach, and he was talking about the love and the passion. He said, you have to just make sure you keep that fueled. It's almost the fire that keeps people coming back. And, um, you know, sometimes you, you can you can push too far and sometimes you lose that, I guess. And um, also, it's it, sometimes I think there's also uh, an opportunity. One, one door closes, one, another one opens, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I love I love what you said. I mean, Kilo Washington is a, an amazing athlete. Um, and I ran, I can sort of really relate. I ran the 800 in college um, and it, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't have the passion for it, it's it's just, you know, you can't do it. The training is hard. The racing is, is hard. Um, and I think, yeah, you're, that's exactly what happened to me. If you, you push too hard and you lose the joy, um, yeah, there's no you can't really continue. I hear you, I hear you. Now to you, Danielle, I guess, like what what has been probably, you know, and from your athletic career, what has been your biggest challenge, do you think? And and how did you deal with going to the Olympics at such a young age? Ooh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I think my biggest challenge in my career, I think a lot of it came from the fact that I was so young. I rose very, very quickly at a very young age. And I think, you know, as, as we talk about, you know, International Women's Day um, and, and, you know, being a woman and being a black woman, I think one of the things that I've reflected on now that I'm 25 now, and so, you know, I'm sort of 10 years on from when I started international athletics, which is a horrifying thing to think about. Um, but one of the big things is that 
I was treated very much as an adult when I was still a child. And I think, and it's something I think that follows, you know, black women a lot in their lives and that you're not really, you have this switch moment where you go from being this cute little kid with the bows in your hair to being a woman. And there's no progression. There's no, you know, there's no gradual, you're making mistakes and you're learning as a teenager. You just, you flip that switch and all of a sudden you go from they're a kid to they're wholly responsible and face every consequence that you face for choice. And it's not something, you know, that happens, that happens outside of that spectrum. And I think looking back at my career, you know, there were a couple of times where there were, and, you know, I want to preface this by saying that I was surrounded by incredible people um, at all point. My mum was my shield and my warrior throughout my entire career. That woman stood in front of me like the Great Wall and stopped absolutely everything she could from getting to me. She's a stunning, stunning woman. Um, and I had, I was coached by Maurice Green for a number of years. Amazing. Uh, so, and he was absolutely incredible as well. And today when people ask me, you know, you know, who do you think is one of the greatest athletes and who's your favorite person in athletics? It is Coach Mo. Yeah. Um, but I think that there were just, there were times where I was in situations and I was looking around. And of course, when you're 15, 16, you feel so grown up and you feel like you're like, oh, this is it. I've made it. I'm done. You know, no one can tell me anything. And you look back five years later and you're like, you were an infant <laughs> and you didn't know what you yeah. were doing. Yeah. Um, and there was just, there was a lot of pressure and there was a lot of stress. And I think probably the little, the, the best little way to sum it up was after I went to the Olympics and I was 16 while I was there. And the best way to describe what happened when I walked into that stadium of 80,000 people was that I actually left my body and I lost control of my limbs um, because <laughs> I'd never, you know, I'd been on the international stage before, but I'd been to indoors, I'd been to world youth. And there's still, it's they're large crowds, but there's nothing like, like that stadium. There's nothing like the Olympic Stadium in London with those, I think it's 80,000 people or something mm. that are in there when it's full. And the 400s, as you well know, are on the same day as the 100s. Mm. So they're always fully packed. And I just completely panicked. I don't even remember what time I ran. I don't really remember my race, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but for a long time after that, and in all the press and everything, a lot of people were like, oh, do you feel like you failed? You know, You know, how do you cope with the failure of not making it to the semis and not not getting as far as you wanted to go and it took a lot for me to really stand up for myself and be like I didn't fail you know Mm -hmm. I'm 16 years old and I'm at the Olympics yeah and and that that is an incredible success and so you know why are we focusing on this one little negative aspect of it it's amazing and and the the fact all those facts about you know you being so young and then having to be thrust into the limelight and just accept that um, you almost have to be a, an adult when you're still, yeah, you're still, you're still a, you're still a teenager. It's, 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 a, it's, it's interesting. And I find it quite difficult, especially as you say, um, I feel that there can be a difference in the way, um, the media portray, um, and it's, it's very challenging. It's very, very challenging. And, um, what would you say that, so this is a question to both of you. What would you say is, is are things that you've learned as you've come through sport, especially athletics? What would you say the two or three things that you would, um, you know, you would you would teach a young a young female coming through, um, going into athletics? I guess I'll give this one to May first of all. Two or three things you say you would give a piece of advice you'd give to a young female going through athletics. 
Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, there's there's so much there's so much that I wish that I um, sort of would have had or would have known um, when I was sort of starting out. But I think uh, I want to touch upon something that specifically affects uh, girls and and young women, especially in the events, what sort of the mid distance uh, sort of running that I did the four hundreds and the eight hundreds, the eight hundreds more and fifteen especially. Um, but just with eating and, and fueling, um, I think I was surrounded by so many uh, other athletes that just weren't fueling properly because there was this assumption that lighter equals faster. Um, and it's, it's really damaging. Um, and I think we've seen, you know, Bobby Clay and, and other examples of um, sort of it's, it's really damaging for your for your body and for your health and at the end of the day that's that's what comes first um so yeah i would say definitely just make sure that you're you're feeling yourself properly um and i think with athletics as well um you know our uniforms are what we wear on the track is tiny like little knickers and, and a vest like it's really small and i mm. think that no one really talks about this sort of body aspects to it and the you know eating disorders and it's it's actually really prevalent in our sport so I think it's just you know I would say to anyone sort of younger sort of teenage girls in athletics just to be really mindful about what you're eating and be kind to yourself and your body and um if your body can can you know can help you run fast then that should be something to love about it um yeah health, so. health before fitness that's what I always tell people um, and, I love that. And you, you get healthy and you, you, you get fit, but being fit doesn't mean you're healthy. That's another thing. So you cannot stay completely fit and at your peak um, constantly. And um, sometimes being healthy means that you are not fit. So that's okay. You know, you can be fit for a specific window. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it's, it's such a, a, an important thing for us to discuss yeah yeah absolutely and I think as well like touching on what you're saying as well like what your body looks like as well like a good athletic body doesn't always equal fit and healthy as well like what's good for me might look good you know might look completely different on somebody else um so you know just not comparing yourself to other people um or saying oh they look more like a runner than I do yeah you know I think you know we're all runners all of our bodies can run um so yeah that's just something that has really sort of stood out for me especially now looking back and sort of being reflective and, and seeing especially with you know social media and stuff like that yeah yeah 100 percent. how about you daniel yeah um gosh two or three pieces of advice for for younger athletes i would say probably my my biggest one for female athletes is that you should never be afraid to stand up for yourself um and then sort of folded into that is also trust your intuition if you feel like something is wrong or you know you know your body you know yourself and I think a lot of the time especially with younger female athletes obviously you should you know your coach is your coach for a reason but I specifically have been in situations with coaches who did not have my best interest at heart who, you know, told me to push through injuries or in fact, actually, you know, told fibs about injuries in order to get me to compete at certain events because we are part of a larger team and they needed the points. And if you know that something is wrong, you know, 
have the have the confidence and have the they're gonna you know especially as you know again as young black women you know I always tell my little cousins and this and that you know stand up for yourself and they're like well, what if someone says you know the angry black woman and I'm like darling they're gonna say that anyway mm. you know you could wrinkle your nose the wrong way and they would be like oh she's being aggressive <laughs> yeah. so you know <laughs> at a certain point I always I'll never forget I had you know I had a, an incident with someone on the team once and I had, you know, perhaps with a slight element of bias here, but I thought I was being very polite. I went and verified later with a friend that, in fact, I was much nicer than I should have been in the situation. And they wrote an email to the administration and said that I'd been very aggressive. And I printed it out and I marched into the office of the head of athletics at this university. Wow. And I said that, you know, I said, that's racist. I said, because I've got 10 people that will verify that I was in absolutely no way aggressive at all. Mm. I may have gone a step further and I said, no, I can show you what aggressive looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I've got that capability as well. What I would say, because the reality is that as a young female athlete, there's always going to be someone who wants to tell you what to do. That, as May said, they're going to tell you what you should look like. They're going to tell you what you should eat. You know, they're going to, I run the 400 and the 200. They're going to tell you that if you don't look like, you know, our Lord and Saviour, Alison Felix, that you're not going to, you're not going to be quick, <laughs> you know, and um, so, but that's not true. Yeah. And, you know, everybody is different, quite literally, and I mean that in both sense of the word everybody and everybody. Yeah. There is something different works for everyone. You know, there are some people that do their best when they compete four times the season. There are some people that need to compete 12 times a season to get that load into their legs and to build up and get mm. to their top speed. I'm one of those people. So, you know, you've, you've always got to know when to put your foot down and that takes time and that takes practice and that takes maturity, but better safe than sorry is what I always tell people. And my, and my one other little piece that I'll tackle on at the end there is, you know, make sure you know why you're on the track or why you're on the road, oh, why I you're running that. that. Yeah, I love that. Because the second that you lose that, and the second that you you don't have a grip of why you're there, you begin to drift. And you, you can end up in a situation where not only do you lose your love for the sport, not only do you lose your passion, but you begin to resent it a little bit. Mm. And and you can lose it. And I, and I know this again from experience because I went through a period in my life where even though my heart was screaming at me, to put my shoes on and go for a run, to get back on the track, to pick my kit up. I was, you know, in the same breath, very heartbroken over certain things that had happened. And I'd, it sounds very, you know, very cliche to be like, I'd lost my way, but I had lost sense of why I was there and why I was on track. Mm. Um, and it turns out the reason that I'm on the track is I'm just nuts and I can't function without running. So I've just, I've, I love it. There's, I can see everyone smiling. It's a very common sentiment. We're all, res we're all resonating with it. <laughs> you ask people why they run, like, I just can't explain it. I just have to do it. Otherwise, I can't do it. I can't function. All my friends, when I'm really grumpy, everyone in my life goes, have you, have you run today or yesterday? Like, has there been, is it a rest day? Is it a rest day? <laughs> You're like that. Um, but yeah, I think that that would probably be if, you know, if I if I got my hands on, on little on little Danny and could give her some pieces of advice, that would be what I'd tell her. Nice, nice. Okay. Let's go for a few quick fire rounds then. 
quick fire questions okay so oh gosh. yeah <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna shake this up a little bit because i want some back and forth a little bit okay so um someone someone asks you okay you've got like you got to answer this straight away you're at a track someone says right you've got to do 100 or you've got to do 150 meters which one do you do danny go 150. danny's 150. 150 may what you do oh. 150. You're doing 150. You're yeah. both doing 150. You tell me your reason. I need time. <laughs> <laughs> I need space. I need this. I literally, I cannot. I, I hit my top speed at maybe like 180. Oh, really? Okay, okay. Someone asks you again, okay? You can do 400 or 3K. Which one are you doing? 400. May? Oh, oh. It's a hard one. 3k now 3k now 3k may's turned into a long distance champ there we go <laughs> we're trying to turn danny may we got we got to convince her <laughs> better take me alive <laughs> okay uh next one 5k or half marathon i think i know 5K. what <laughs> danny's gonna say 5k <laughs> may what are you saying 5k as well i've done i've done one half marathon and it was tough it was hard yeah but i bet you didn't train for it though did you (laughs) (laughs) not as as much as i could i think it's hard what Uh, what did you run what did you run what did you run in that half marathon uh, i did 130 flat oh my god i know exactly danny's face I'm, I'm listening, I'm like, look, you do a bit of training, you're doing like a 119, bang. Hey, Fran, 1.30 and you didn't train. <laughs> Listen, Manny and I had this conversation a little while ago, and I told him that if I ever run half marathon, he would have to finish his race and come back in. <laughs> you know, that's what I do, right? That's my role. <laughs> that's what I did in Paris, this half marathon. I finished my race, Listen, went no, back no, and got everybody. Manny, I would, I would not be on the race course. You would find me in a coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> find you in a parisian coffee shop having a croissant i love that i love that okay somebody new to running okay you've you've got them you've got to give them some advice i want one important thing you're going to tell them someone brand new to running and they are literally like you know they want to get involved they want to they want to run but it's difficult what's what's the what's the one thing you'd say to them danielle let's go with you first I think the one thing I would say is that you're, if you can run three steps, you are automatically a runner. Heck, if you can run Love one that. step, you can take that one Ooh. step, you are a runner. There is no, there is no bar. I hate this whole business of people being like, oh, I don't feel like I'm running yet because I can't run 5K. Mm. You know, listen, you, sometimes I can't run 5K. Mm. There's no, and I've been doing this my whole life. Yeah. There are so many, there are men. I get bored so easily. I'm scattering. <laughs> like, you do not need to achieve a certain distance. You do not need to achieve a certain pace. If you, to be perfectly honest, if you break into a light walk, jog, shuffle during your evening walk, you can call yourself a runner. You've done it. I am already proud of you. It is, there is no bar. Mm. There is no barriers to entry, you know get yourself whatever so get yourself a good pair of shoes i would say it's practical advice because you know you don't want to end up hurting your feet mm. but other than that 
you're done. You're but already here's, in the Here's a question to you, though, Daniel. When it was getting tough, when you were training, when it was hard, and, like, I think everyone can resonate with this. It's like, when it's difficult, like, what do you do? What do you say to yourself? Because I think that's always the biggest thing, right? No matter who you are, running is hard. Like, it gets hard, right? It, it's a difficult, difficult thing to do. It's such a... You know, it burns the most calories. It requires some of the most focus. As you said, sometimes you can get bored. It just it just asks so much of you. So what did you do when you when it got tough? What did you say to yourself? I think when it got tough, when I was on the track and, you know, you're dizzy and your vision's going blurry in your left eye. <laughs> you know, I, I remember there was one specific workout that I did when I was living and training in Fiji. And I did 12 600s. Wow. At, and it was it was not at a reasonable pace either mm. um I, i'm convinced that i'd done something wrong and no one told me and that was why i was doing this workout <laughs> but i it depends there are times where you know sometimes you go for the positive reinforcement and i would imagine myself achieving you know a goal that i had i'd imagine myself running that 50 second 400 or you know breaking breaking the 23 barrier in the 200 um, and then there are times where, you know, and this is going to sound slightly infantile, but I would picture the one person in my athletics career at that point that I just could not stand. And then I would imagine myself beating them. <laughs> and I'd be right. In order to do that, you've got to get up off the side of the track and you've got to get on the line. Yeah. And it worked every time. Love that. Every single time. Love that. You're really, you're really speaking my language, Daniel, because I'm so competitive as well. I'm so, you know, to my downfall, I am so sort of stubborn and determined. And I, and I think um, I'm, I'm really the same, giving yourself little targets to achieve and, and breaking it down. Because, we, you know, we've all been there. I've had some really tough workouts where you feel like your legs literally will not hold you up anymore. Um, and, you know, but it's not just for like hardcore, you know, professional track runners this goes for you know everyone that's starting running it's hard and it's not easier for us because you know we've been doing it a long time it you know you just it, ne it never gets uh, what's the thing it never gets easier you just get faster it's it's not running is not easy um so don't don't think oh what you know i don't like running it's harder for me you know it's just it, it's hard for everyone it's hard for everyone so just breaking it down into things that are achievable and just because it's hard doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it like we can do we can do hard things um definitely so, women yeah. can do hard things I've, I've seen it very many times and um it's for me it's one of these things where um insight into mindset and how you you think I think definitely can encourage and and provide people with like that that ability to realize we're all the same we all experience the same things um which is super important so you've still got that runner they're brand new if if you were you know when you were going when you guys were starting were you doing a lot of strength work were you doing a lot of other things along with your running and we've talked about touched on fueling but is there are there any other things that you felt that were really important for you when you were starting to run so if there are any new runners out there here are some tips and tricks from Daniel and May. Oh, absolutely. Um, I did, yeah, I, I would say strength work is something that I would, a lot of a lot of female runners as well shy away from strength work because, you know, and as May said earlier, there is a perception that like if you get bigger, you know, they're like, oh, you're going to slow down. 
Um, and I'm like, listen, you know, if it doesn't matter how light you are, if you don't have the strength to carry yourself around that track, to carry yourself down that 10K, however far you're running, I'm not going to say half marathon because I still believe that is a wholly unreasonable distance for someone to run. <laughs> but, you know, if you don't have strength in your body to get you that far, it doesn't matter how light you are because the wind is still not going to carry you. Yeah. You know, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to see the results that you want to see if you don't put the work in in the gym as well. And so I'd absolutely, I would say two things, strength work. And I think a lot of people don't understand active recovery. Yes. Um, and they don't understand, you know, like people, they'll take a rest day. And the I would tell people I'm having a rest day and then I do some yoga or I do, you know, you know, perhaps go for like a really easy bike ride or something. And you still keep moving, but you're not actively stressing your muscles. You're not actively straining your system in order to get better. And, you know, let's not invalidate the rest days that involve, you know, lying face down on the couch and not moving all day, because those are also very valid. And I keep them in a very special place in my heart. But those two things, I'd say, you'd absolutely strength work, especially for female runners. You know, male runners, I find, you don't shy away from the gym. Um, but female runners absolutely do. And it's also active recovery. Love that. What do you think, May? Yeah, no, I would also really echo that. I think um, when I was running at my fastest, I was getting in the gym sort of three or four times a week. Uh, not always, especially in competitions, you know, sort of season, not always lifting super, super heavy, but just getting that strength work and that rehab in and looking after um, sort of your body and doing that conditioning work, I think is really important. Um, but I guess I'll just touch on, on something else for, I guess, for someone who's who's new to running, um, make sure you do your warm up and your cool down. Don't just put those trainers on and run out the front door. I think taking time, and I know we all say we're so busy, I don't have time. I've only got 30 minutes to do my run and, and that's all I can afford. But even if you just spend five minutes warming up and five minutes at the end of your run doing a few stretches, I think you'll really, really see um, the benefit, especially sort of the next day and if you're doing a lot of training. Um, you'll really feel the difference. Nice. So just having some preparation time, some you time, um, and making sure that you have like a beginning and end to your training session. I like that. Love that. Were you going to add something there else though, mate? No, yeah, no, I was just going to say, and I mean, you'll know much more than me um, as a physio as well, but yeah, just having, you know, getting that in there, uh, the mental space for your workout, but as yeah. well, getting those muscles ready and, and active. It takes, you know, I say I'm, I'm a bit of a grandma, I'm only 25, but I've got achy muscles, right? It takes me a little while to, to get going. So <laughs> just, you know, put a little bit, a bit of grease on those joints. <laughs> Sometimes. I love it, I love it. Yeah, do you know what? I'm the same, to be honest. I can't even lie. <laughs> I'm a bit older than you guys, so, you know, I have to keep it, keep it, keep it going, keep the old man, old man, old man smooth. Um, okay. Right. Last question. I think we've come to the point where we need to talk about the future. What does the future hold for Danny and May? Go ahead, Daniel. I'll let, I'll let you I think it. We're both looking at each other on the yeah. screen. Like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. What does the future hold for Danny? Um, I think I've just, I've, you know, kind of recently come back to running what I would call 
consciously running as opposed to I'm very stressed out, I'm going mm. to go and run around the park yeah. for 45 minutes. Yeah. I now quite recently, actually because I met Manny, um, through a very good friend of mine from law school, Zoya, who threatened me with physical and emotional harm <laughs> if I did not mention her name on this podcast, so there you go. Um, so, so, you know, I met, I met Manny through Zoya and I started going to London Select. And that has kind of, I then, you know, ended up at Track Mafia and that has rolled into what is now looking at more like a routine for me. And I think that, and I don't, I'm going to say this now on this podcast as an accountability mechanism and also so that you can both chase me up on it later. But I would like for Kicks and Googles to run a 400 again um, at some point. At, I would like to say at some point, you know, don't, let's not start signing me up in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> Um, but I think that you know, man, he's making eyes. He's like, "Oh, there's one coming up." I, yeah, months. I was just, I was just on my browser. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think I would, I would like to run 400 again. I would like to see, you know, I've, I've had some fun doing, doing park runs with you guys and doing some workouts on the track. And I would like to come back to the world of athletics and get a bit more involved um, in, in a number of ways through, through, you know, kit design and things like that. But yeah, I think that for me is I would like to just sort of find my way back into it without some of, you know, the pain and the hurt from from the past. Um, I realized actually, to preface that I, I never really explained why I stopped running, which would make things make some of the things I've said a bit more sense. Um, and that was I broke my ankle quite badly when I was 16 years old. Um, and that was actually the injury that I mentioned previously that I was effectively told to by a coach to run through um, on that day. So I competed in, whew, it was four, it was four races that day. So I ran two 400s, a 100 and a 200 um, on that day on a broken ankle. And wow. that has caused sort of, I mean, even to this day, I've, you know, I've got one, I swear I can tell when storms are coming because mm -hmm. my ankle starts hurting. Um, but I broke out and then it, it sort of half healed, but didn't heal properly and no one realized. And then when I was 20 again, it broke again in the exact same manner. Yeah. And that kind of culminated in sort of, that was the beginning of the end basically. And we were looking at surgeries and all these things. And I sort of sat down one day and I was like, this sport is just going to, it has already broken my heart. And if I don't take a step back, you know, mm -hmm. I, I may never be able to do it again. And so I did, and then I went off to university, went to law school, um, became a lawyer, as you can probably tell, really enjoyed the sound of my own voice. So that was a great career, <laughs> career, career choice for me then. In talk for absolute days. I love but, it. You're, but, you're great, yeah. on a, great on a podcast. This is perfect. <laughs> I'm always here. So I'm wait, the future is 400 meters. The future is 400 meters. Anything 400 else? You know, um, you know, I love marathons. You know, like I'm the marathon man. I like do marathons all the time. I wanted to, I'm, my, my goal is to take as many people to Boston Marathon as possible. In, you know, in what? 2024. In 2024. Um, You've got so much time. Wait, what if I'm at the Olympics in 2024? You don't know what my life holds. Wow. I she just there. put that on a podcast. That's just me. Yeah. She just put that on a podcast. 
So you just put that, Danielle, just put that on the podcast. I love the fame. The future holds possibly Danielle at the Olympics of 2024. That's how much she doesn't want to run a longer distance. <laughs> you know, I, love you know it. I, can, I, I can very firmly say that I would literally rather go back to full-time training and train for Paris than run a marathon. Oh, I will wow. fly to Boston and I will cycle alongside the route and cheer you on. Okay. I'm not running it. <laughs> okay, I'm looking forward to that. You can you can give us bo- yeah. you can give us bottles and and all that kind of. I can thing. promise you that right now, I will be your number one cheerleader. Love that. <clears throat> I will run a half though. I will promise you that. I will very grumpily, full of complaining. I will run a half. Okay, then then we'll get you to convert to a marathon. Love that. Um, I think I think you've also got a role to play in the culture of um, athletics, and I'd love to probably. I think we've got some plans and some strategies to to do some things with London Select, so I'm looking forward to getting you involved with those. Um, wow. Now, May, what does the future hold for you? Ooh, it's, it's a hard one. It's such an open question. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I mean, I just, going back to what Danielle was just saying, I just want to thank her as well for sharing that sort of story with us. Um, and I relate to, to so much, like athletics really has broken my heart mm. so many times, but I still, you know, I love it so, so dearly. And I think sort of once, once a trackie, always, always a trackie, you know, it really is, is special for all of us. Um, and I wanted to say as well, I think she's doing herself a disservice and she might come across like she, she hates running because <laughs> she's saying how much she, <laughs> she hates the long, the longer distance and that she couldn't do it. But I think, um, for, for people that maybe don't understand the, the world of track, Danielle said earlier, oh, I sort of just ended up at world indoors and like, I, just, <laughs> I ran quite quickly. Like she's, she's so, um, sort of inspiring and so quick you know I feel so flattered to sort of be having this conversation with her um but yeah so I just wanted to say for those of you that that wouldn't maybe know um how quick this girl is she she really is phenomenal um so you you might not be able to run to run Boston but you can definitely run a 400 faster than any any of us yeah 100% but yeah, but in terms of the future for me, I think I'm, I'm in a similar place. Like I would love to get back to um, athletics, maybe not as, as an athlete, but in, in some other way. I, I've done a bit of coaching um, sort of in my life. And I think maybe it's something that I'd want to explore a bit further. Um, I'm talking now as someone, a new sort of relatively new member of London Select. And I wanted to sort of touch on that as well. Manny, like, big up yourself <laughs> for the community that you've built. And uh, I just, I felt so welcome as, as a newcomer. And it's really amazing, the energy and the love and, yeah, the community of everyone there, um, the vibes. It's it's just really fantastic. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to getting more involved and, you know, just running, running for the joy and the love and um, really bring that into sort of a regular aspect of my life and, yeah, who knows? Who Amazing. Knows let's yeah. let's end it on that. Running for the joy, the vibes, making it a regular aspect of your life. You know, keep the passion. If you keep the passion, you keep the fire burning. You keep the fire burning, you stay consistent. This has been Running Lifestyle Culture Podcast. Danielle, May, thank you so much for your time. Um, have a great evening. Thanks, you too. Bye. Yes, that was episode one, season two. Wow, powerhouses or what? I told you I had some surprises in for you. Let's go, next episode.
But for now, Coach Manny out.